0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here today feeling good. The weather's good. Snow's coming Tuesday and Wednesday, but... uh, Then then a heat wave, Uh, hey, welcome, so glad you're here. A lot to say today, Uh, new series, brand new series. Uh, You've heard it said, excited about that. Before we dive in, 2019, uh, talk to our Prosper campus. Uh, Man, so excited that you guys, we're meeting in the high school. We started there in 2019. In 2020, January, right before COVID hit, January and February, we bought land, 18 acres right, right off the tollway, third of a mile west of the tollway on Prosper Trail. And at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, we've talked about, hey, we're going to build a campus. So just catching everybody up in case you're our guest today, we're so glad you're with us. Or maybe it's your first time watching online, glad you're with us as well. For the quarter, our goal, we have different goals for each quarter uh, throughout the next two years, a two-year journey called uh, As It Is in Heaven, in Prosper As It Is in Heaven, and in our areas, we're building uh, this campus and I challenged us to all be a part of this. We'd like to build this debt free in two years. So in order to do that, if I could get two thousand of us. Now we have over four thousand regular givers, family units. But if I could get two thousand, so if half of you would be generous, uh, that was a joke. But if some of us right would be generous and give five thousand above and beyond. Now some of us like Man, that's a lot. It's two hundred eight bucks a month, or you get a tax return, or you get an end-of-year bonus, or, you know, whatever. But if you could give that over and above giving, we would build this thing debt-free. And that's, that's our heart. And eventually, if it's not in two years, then three, whatever it is. Um, I want to invite you today, this is the end of the first quarter, so you can give at hopefellowship.net slash give, or you can text any amount, for instance, 100,000, to building, or whatever it is, to building, 84321. So I'm going to leave this up there. Leave this up there. But Mike, the campus pastor Love you guys, Mike and Penny over there at the, at the Prosper Campus. Uh, they've been a part of our church for a long, long time. I've known Penny since she was a teenager. And so um, we, we shot a video this week. While you're watching the video, if you wanna go text or go online to give, you can do that in, the, in this first quarter strong. Um, but I want you to watch this video and then we're gonna come back together and pray together. Watch this with me and Mike. We're here at the property man just a few weeks we're gonna be breaking ground and uh, you know this is 2019 when we bought this property or 20 and started the campus but you've been here in this city a long time man share your heart for why you're excited and why this campus is going to be so important to this community Uh, you're right John we moved here in 2004 and and to, to look and see what it's become is amazing, and and for me, you know, I've worked at church for at Hope for ten years now, and I've always had to go to another campus, travel, and and yeah. so so man, church is home. It's in, it's in my hometown, and, and I'm excited for that for our family and and for everybody, but really, our heart is is for caring and serving yeah, our yeah. community and, and all the ways we're gonna get to do that with a building you know vbs and and bible classes and studies re-engage uh people you know needing our building for for something in town yeah, yeah. you know just caring and serving for our community man it's gonna be so great for for prosper the next generation oh absolutely wednesday nights sundays absolutely. the weekends just you know, I think for the for me, and and I know for you, being a part of Hope, you and Penny for a long, long time, lost people matter to God, absolutely. And if lost people matter to God, they matter to us. And and this property and this building is way more than than the the facility. It's about people who are going to walk in and their lives are going to be changed because of Jesus, and because we're here. Exactly. And I mean, I'm excited to get this thing started. Me too. And I am ready to go. Let's do it. We really do believe that. It's not just a slogan, lost people matter to God. But you know what? All people matter to God. And, and those people um, that are not even in our area yet, our, our area continues to grow. Thousands of people a year move to the north Dallas area. <clears throat> and I want to pray specifically for them. I don't want to just pray for this building or, or provision for it or, or whatever. And there are many great churches in that city, in that area. We pray for all of them. If It doesn't have to be hope but, uh, that they come to. We want them to just find Jesus, right? And so would you join me in prayer? We're not just going to pray for that campus and, and the building. We're, we're thankful for what God is doing and his provision. But would you join me in praying for the people who will get to that campus and find Jesus? Would you pray with me? Lord, again, it's our honor to serve you in this area. We want to be good stewards. And we wanna do everything that we can to help people find you. And those that will be hurting, those marriages that will be hanging by a thread, children who are being challenged, God, we wanna be there for them. And I pray for the hearts of those people who are far from you, but yet gonna find Jesus at this campus or at another church in the area. God, we pray for all of them that are not even here yet, that are going to be in the next few years the next decade, the next two decades, moving to Salina and, and the Prosper area, God, we pray for them. Pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in their hearts as it is in heaven. Because people, we know this, we believe this, people matter to you. And if they matter to you, they matter to us. So use us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, um, <clears throat> new series. Uh, you've heard it said, and we're borrowing this phrase from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus in Matthew five, six, and seven, in his sermon, on the, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. He starts with the Beatitudes, and then later in that same chapter, chapter five, the first part of this message, he says this a lot. You've heard it said, and here's the list that he goes down. There's about six of them, or, or, or whatever. You've heard it said, don't commit murder. You've heard it said, he talks about adultery. You've heard it said about divorce. You've heard it said about oaths, being, being truthful. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You've heard it said, hate your enemy. And each one of these, Jesus then says, but I say to you, don't even be angry with somebody. I say to you, love your enemy. <clears throat> I say to you, don't even lust, and so on and so forth. So we're gonna borrow that phrase. I'm not gonna talk about the Sermon on the Mount, but we're gonna borrow that phrase. You've heard it said, and we're gonna look at some of the strategic, important passages and and statements or phrases that Jesus made that are so important to understanding our relationship to the Father. Today, well, over the next few weeks, today we're gonna talk about you must be born again. Jesus said, you've heard it said. he said, you must be born again. Next week, we're gonna talk about my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Third week, Palm Sunday, we're gonna be talking about the rocks will cry out. And then Easter, resurrection weekend, it is finished. Gonna be a powerful day. I I pray that you would invite someone to church at any time, but especially at at Easter, at resurrection weekend. And let me tell you why this is important. A, A few uh, the last thing that I gave this church or gave everybody, <clears throat> handed this out, remember it was a little key. And, and, and maybe you didn't get one, maybe you weren't here, but everybody got a key, a gold key. And I said, hey, get a magic marker or something and write somebody's name that is far from God that you're praying for. And then somebody who has lost their way. So I had six names on my key. Now, I've given you bricks, I've given you paint sticks, I've given you stickers, I've given you tree rings, I've given you a, a, I mean a variety, I have all of them, a variety of things for you to write names on of people that you're praying for. Maybe they're family members, maybe they're uh, friends from school, maybe they're coworkers, whatever, in your neighborhood. And I've had a name on my, uh, for the last 10 years, for, for all the things that we've done, I have had a consistent name on all of them. In fact, I would send a text to this guy every Christmas Eve, or not on Christmas Eve, but for Christmas Eve service, inviting him to service, he'd never respond. I would send a text to every Easter service, never respond, just rude. You know what I'm saying? He needed Jesus, there's no question. I've, I have texted him, I have, I have invited him, talked to him in person, taken him to lunch, all these things. About three or four weeks ago, I think it was like three, I got a text from my friend, guy, same guy, who said, hey, I just wanted you to know I surrender my life to Jesus, and I am so excited to start this journey. That's a true story. <clears throat> Not that I had little faith, but man, I was like, man, this guy, he ain't never gonna make it. And he did. I had lunch with him, I mean, breakfast with him last week, and just uh, tears in my eyes, you never know, the reason I say that, you never know what invitation might change somebody's life. You never know what invitation might plant a seed. So I wanna invite you. It didn't have to be at Hope. This is not your home church. Invite them somewhere. And you never know what God will do when you are obedient and you keep praying and you keep inviting. Now, that's the series roadmap today. We're gonna talk about you must be born again. How many times do you think this occurs in the New Testament? The Gospels, as Jesus says, you must be born again. How many times do you think he said this over and over and over again? He didn't, one time. Jesus uses this phrase one time in John chapter three. His disciple Peter in his letter, uh, 1 Peter, uses the phrase one time. So in the whole New Testament, you must be born again, or born, the phrase born again happens two times. But it is such an important phrase. It's found in John chapter 3. We're going to look at, you've heard it said, Jesus says, you must be born again. Let's read John 3, starting with verse 3, or 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, I find it interesting. He didn't ask a question. He didn't say, hey, Jesus, I've got, I've got something been burning on my heart. All he said, Jesus says, replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Now, this is the first time this has ever come up. Okay, now, you and I, some of us who've been raised in church, maybe we've heard this phrase over and over. Maybe in the 70s, I remember a bumper sticker, I am born again, honk at me, or whatever it said, crazy thing. But we've heard this phrase over and over. This is the first time that anybody in the whole history of the world would ever hear this phrase. And rightly so, Nicodemus says, well, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? That's weird. I mean, What kind of statement is this? What does it mean to be born again? Well, Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 3, the very next verse, verse 5, here's what he says. He answers the question. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. We're going to get back to that in a minute. Humans can, re- can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet... You don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I, when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe it if I tell you about the heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven, and as Moses lifted the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, speaking of his crucifixion, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So what does it mean to be born again? Before I answer that question, I think there are two things to just, you know, kind of as a foundation kind of settle about this passage. The first one is a natural birth. There is a natural birth. Obviously, we know that. You have a birth date. Most of you remember that. Well, I wasn't, yeah, maybe you're having trouble, but we all have been born, right? We have a natural birth date. It says it on our birth certificate that we were born June 2nd, 1979, or like I was. (laughs) Not a true story. Now, this natural birth is what I think Jesus meant when he says you must be born of water and spirit. Now, I did a lot of reading on this, theologians from centuries past all the way up to the present, figuring out, what, what does that mean, be born of water and spirit? There are many thoughts about it. Maybe it was baptism. Maybe it was purification. I think it was natural birth. I just think when water breaks, you, you're born, naturally speaking. The reason I say that is the, the verse right after this, he says, humans can only re- reproduce human life. So it makes sense to me that as Jesus is describing born again I'm only I'm only I'm getting there believe me that you must be naturally born and then number 2 spiritual birth. There's a natural birth and there's a spiritual birth. Now, so what does it mean though to be spiritually birthed? What does it mean to be born again? And Jesus again in this Maybe you already know this answer, but he answers this question. Now, some of us were not raised with this phrase, or if you heard it, you, you automatically thought of Baptist, right? You're born again, oh, that's the Baptist thing. Or you've, it's a fundamentalist, or it's an a evangelical thing. Many of us were not raised that way. We're not raised with this phrase over and over. I was raised with this phrase over and over, you must be born again. I knew it. There's songs about it. But many of us, some of us may not know this phrase all that much. What does it mean to be born again? In other words, what do you need to do to be born again spiritually? And Jesus answers this. And let me give you the one word answer. Belief. That's it. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, John, I don't know about that. Well, there's there's some many, there's some other things you need to be doing. No, I rebuke you. <laughs> One thing you must do to be born again, and that is belief. We have made this so complicated over the last two thousand years. I'm not trying to correct church history or even criticize. I'm just saying, in some circles, we have made this so complicated. We, we, we have to go through a class. You have to go through catechism. You got to go through first communion. You got, to go, you got to come up front. You got to get baptized. You got to go to a room and become a member. None of that is necessary to be born again. The only thing that we have to do in order to be born spiritually is belief. That's it. 3, John 3, verse 14 through 18. Let's just read it again, and let's look at how many times he says this. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. No parentheses. No, No, everyone who believes in him will have eternal life, parentheses, and live a holy life and keep the rules, and keep the law. No, for this is how God loved the world. We all know this, John three sixteen. Even the NFL knows this scripture, right? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who in him will not perish but have eternal life, period, period, belief. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who... Now, I I understand, many of us are afraid, John, don't make it too easy for people to get into heaven. Right? Doesn't it feel like that over the last, I don't know, 100 years or maybe more? It's like, no, don't make it too easy. Why? How many many know that Jesus, Jesus did every, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit did everything they could to get you into heaven, to give you eternal life? to adopt us into his family. Everything, it is not Jesus plus you equals heaven. It is not Jesus plus your good works, plus catechism, plus the Eucharist, plus um, baptism, plus your holiness, plus, no. It is Jesus. We believe in Jesus, you're born again. That was a good place for a good amen. Okay, okay, good, I know, so good. That's it. Now, how many in the back of your mind are saying, hey, Ron, what about Romans? What about Romans chapter eight, chapter 10? I'm glad you said that, let's go there. Romans chapter 10, verse nine and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. John, this is contradictory to what you just read. Let me explain. I do believe in openly declaring. I do believe in openly, or confessing is another way that translations uh, interpret this, or translate it. I do believe that. I I, I think it's a natural thing that when you believe in your heart about what Jesus and who he is, what he did, that you're going to openly confess that. And that's why, in my opinion, that's why Jesus instituted baptism. That's why he told his disciples, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's a public declaration. Declaration. When you get baptized here, or at your house in the pool, when you've got family and friends around, it is to openly declare your faith in Jesus. However, however I just want to give this little caveat to remind you that the, the thief on the cross, when he looked at Jesus and he says, hey, remember me when you enter your kingdom. What did Jesus say? Dude, so sorry, but you weren't baptized. (laughs) I'm not making fun, I'm just saying, Jesus didn't look at him and say, well, you didn't go through class. Jesus didn't look at him and say, hey, repeat this after me. Not making fun, so no emails on that. All I'm saying is, yes, we openly declare Jesus. That's gonna be a natural thing that we do. If you're really born again, that's gonna be a natural thing that you do. But he, Jesus, also says it like Paul in John 3. So let's go back to John 3, verse 18 through 21. Let's just look at what he says. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, Jesus. But people loved the darkness more than the light. Those, those in, the, in that first century, specifically speaking to the religious leaders, Specifically, he's talking to Nicodemus and he's saying, Hey, these they're not going to accept me. The light came into the world, but they love darkness more. But people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins are going to be exposed. But those who do listen to this, but those who do what is right come to the light, come to Jesus, believe in Jesus, so others can see that they are doing what God wants. There is an open There is a public display. Does it make sense? There is an open, like, hey, people are going to see me follow Jesus. So Jesus, Paul compliments what Jesus says. But But I wanted to make it clear today, and we wanted to start this series off with the underlying understanding that everyone at Hope, everyone who's watching, even if you're not a part of this church, that you would understand what it means to be spiritually birthed, what it means to be born again. And all it means is that you believe in Jesus, period. That's it. And that's why we call it good news. That's why we call it, hey, this is good news. Why is it good news? Because it doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on how much you give. It doesn't depend on how much you pray. It doesn't depend on uh, how much you come to church or how much you help people or anything like that. It It is by faith. You believe in who Jesus is and what he did. And when you believe, you are born again. Good news. And some of us today need to believe. Some of us here today, whoever you are, maybe many, we had a few last service, many need to just say, you know what? It's time for me to make a decision. I need to believe. I already believe. What am I doing? I already believe. And some of you need to do that today. It is not complicated. It is not difficult to understand. You believe in Jesus? Hey, do your research. If you don't believe it because of the Bible, do, do research on outside of the Bible. You cannot, you cannot legitimately deny that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was on this earth. And what you do with that fact, outside of Scripture, what you do with that fact and his death and resurrection, outside of Scripture, what you do with that fact is whether you believe or don't believe. And that is the only way and that is the only reason you will be judged is if you believe or don't. That is the good news. That's what being born again is all about. Now, having said that, okay, so I want to put that right over here. Don't forget what do you got to do to be born again? Say it with me. Okay, easy, right? Easy test. Now, let me ask one last question and we're going to pray. What kind of believer are you? And now you're sitting there going, I knew there was a catch. I knew it. I knew he was going to put some legalism around it. No. Remember, it's, it's over there. We're going to believe. That's the only thing it takes to get to heaven. It's the only thing that it takes to be made right with God, to be born again, spiritually birthed, is to believe. Now, my question, I I think it's a fair question as you believe. Now, if you're not a believer, this doesn't apply to you, but if you are a believer, what kind of believer are you? Jesus normally taught in parables or stories, and in Matthew chapter 13, he gives us a, a parable or a story that helps us understand what kind of believer we should be. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, here's what Jesus says. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. That's the first one. There's four. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples didn't have ears to hear and understand. So they asked him, hey, What did you mean by that story? Verse 18, here's what he says. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. Remember, there are four, four explanations, or four uh, types of soil. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So the seed was planted in their hearts. They don't understand. The enemy comes and steals. Second type of soil. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Oh, that's great news. Awesome. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Third type of soil. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Fourth, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now, the the question, if you believe, so to get born again, to, to be spiritually birthed, all you got to do is believe. Now, when you believe, what kind of believer will we be? And Jesus, the re, I think he gives this story because I, I think that, that many of us find ourselves in this story. What kind of believer are you? The first one is the kind of believer, I'm gonna say the kind of believer. Right? This could be debatable whether or not they're believers or not, I understand. But the first, the first one is they don't understand it. The enemy steals. And many of us are there. Many of us are teenagers in the room and we did not wanna be here today. Your, your parents came and woke you up and said, hey, it's time for church. And it was, man, at the God-awful hour of 10.30. And you were like, "Oh my gosh, I got to go to church." And and you've been in church for a long time, and yet don't understand it. I don't get this whole thing. Man, I can't wait to get to college, and I'm never going to church. It's irrelevant to my life. Maybe you're here, and that's you. Maybe your husband and your wife makes you attend. You're here today, or else. But it's just—I don't. Uh, I'll go. Maybe your wife and your husband ask you to tend and you're here. But you would find yourself. And I'm not judging. I'm just asking you to, to answer the question: What kind of believer are you? I think there are a lot of us who—I don't. I, I mean, my mom was a Christian. My dad was a Christian. My grandparents were Christian. I guess I'm a Christian. I live in America number 2 second kind of believer shallow and immature and these are the kind that receive the word with joy but the the first time problems or trouble comes their way it's it's like oh my goodness and this is the the way that i view this is the emotional kind of person believer who just goes up and down and all around in the circumstances of their life the circumstances of the world you get covid in there you get political stuff, you get racial stuff, you get financial stuff, and it's like, whoa, I don't know what's going to happen, oh, and you're like tossed and blown away, and you kind of remain unfruitful, shallow and immature. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you would say, the kind of believer I am, if I were honest, number three, is distracted and selfish, the kind that falls among the thorns and those thorns represent the cares of life, the lure of wealth. Let me just camp here just for a second. This number three, I believe, after 22 years of pastoring in this area, we live in a great area, right? I mean, we don't have the mountains and the beaches, but man, as far as the, the living and, and business and everybody calls it a bubble and whatever. I think a lot of Christians, if we were honest, are a distracted and selfish kind of believer. I'm not judging, I'm just saying think about that. We put everything else before God. Athletics, academics. We're more concerned, let me just say this, we're more concerned about our kids being successful than our kids being spiritual. And we will go to great lengths and pay thousands of dollars to make sure that they are successful. Well, we do hardly anything to make them to to at least offer them the spiritual. Now, before you leave and get mad at me, okay, I'm just saying, you know it's true, many of us. All right, number four. Number four is productive. Those are the four kinds of believers. Or, and I understand that number one may not be a believer, but I do believe at least two through four are believers. Productive, is, it just means fruitful and inviting, uh, mature, focused. They're serious about their faith. They're fully committed to Jesus. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Put aside your selfish ambition. Follow me. That kind of believer. Now let me ask you a question. Are there t- don't raise your hands, but are there times in which you would call yourself a productive believer? Are there times in which you or I have been distracted and maybe even selfish? Are there times in which we've been shallow and immature? Have there been times maybe that we have not understood and we've allowed the enemy to steal the word that was planted in our hearts? That's Jesus the way he described it. What What kind of believer are you? Enemy steals, shallow and immature, distracted and selfish, or productive? Our mission here at Hope, I like to remind us every once in a while, this is a good reminder, good time to remind. Our mission is inviting everyone to find Jesus and then helping them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. This is why Hope exists. That's why we bought an Albertsons in McKinney It's why we bought an Albertsons in West Frisco. It's why I wish we could buy an Albertsons in Prosper. (laughs) This is why we exist. That people would believe and that they would be productive. Center of God's purpose. That they would believe and that they would be productive. Moving toward the center of God's purpose. Now, with that comes spiritual patience. That's why, I, and I, I, every once in a while, I get criticized for for not being hard enough on, on Christians for not getting you in a little headlock, kind of rubbing it in. And I, and I'm pretty hard, I mean, I'm pretty honest with you. But but I also understand spiritual patience for people. I don't put a lot of ultimatums on you. I want you to move toward the center. So, every message that I teach every weekend, every message I teach, I'm trying to help you move closer to the center of God's purpose. And you may be here today and you are shallow and immature. I love you. I'm glad you're here. I'm hoping that something catches and, and you go, man, I need to move toward productivity. I need to move, not for, any, for, for our sake, for your sake. Man, when you believe in Jesus and you're born again, why would you want to waste your life being shallow and immature or distracted and self-absorbed? Why would you want to waste your life on the things of this world? Jesus says, if you gain the whole world but lose your soul, what have you benefited? What have you gained? Nothing. You can't take it with you. There's no U haul behind a hearse. There's nothing in this world that you can take with you. Why would you concentrate so much on what doesn't really matter? Two questions Do you believe, or do you need to move today? Do you believe in Jesus? you will be born again. And when you're born again, by believing, what kind of believer are you? I want you to answer that question today, those two questions. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Lord, I believe that you're calling some people. You've been calling like my friend who has been seeking and searching and trying to figure out his spiritual life and all of a sudden it just made sense. All of a sudden he heard one message and it made sense. I am praying for that today. In fact, if you're here today across our campuses, McKinney or Frisco West or Prosper or online, maybe you're here today for school, is if you're here today and you need to acknowledge that, you know what? I want to believe. If that's you and you're making that decision today, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking, but would you raise your hand and say, John, pray for me. I am believing today. Would you just raise your hand real high and say, that's me. I am believing. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. I am believing today. I'm putting my faith in what Jesus did and who he is. Thank you. Now, Nobody's looking again, me, I'm the only one, but if you're here today and you need to move toward productivity, you have been distracted or shallow or maybe allowing the enemy to rob you of a life that God's called you to live and you need to move today. Is that you? Just raise your hand and say, John, pray for me because I'm, I'm in one of those categories that I really wanna be in. Yeah, a lot of us. God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in all of our hearts and lives as we put our faith in you by believing or moving toward productivity, fruitfulness, maturity, focus, spiritually speaking. God, don't let us leave here the same. May we walk out of this room with a, with a knowing that we are born again and that we're going to do something with that faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.